This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm really trying out different volumes, different uh, emphases there, you know, just to get everything going and really challenge Mike's ability to make that sound reasonably good. Uh, But hey, everybody, it's AB. I'm here. One of the hosts of this show. I think I've gotten fucked up on uh, going back and forth between you guys, so I'm going with Mike again. Mike is here with us. How are you, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. Uh, yeah, there's no way I'm going to be able to fix that in post. <laughs> no way. But, uh, yeah, no, I- I'm here. I uh, My ears, my hearing's going back to normal right now, and I'm okay. <laughs> How are you, AB? Man, I'm, I'm making it. Uh, Nate! has also joined us, as always, a.k.a. Epitasis. How are you doing, Nate? I'm doing good. Hi, fellas. Hello, listeners. Glad you're making it, Aaron. That's all we can do is keep striving until we make it, of course. (laughs) (laughs) uh, You you recently called me Moody on a podcast, I think. I don't remember if that was a Patreon episode. Oh, no. But I'm in a mood. This was a good episode of Dynamite, but then I just you know long day of work so i'm in i'm in a weird mood i'm in i think maybe i'd characterize it as an ftw mood um <laughs> where i've just had it uh so really, good, weird energy today i really thought nate that only mike and i remembered things that people said on podcasts and thought about them a week later i don't know what that's a reference to it's just uh, a reference no, to, I... to it's just a reference to mike and my uh insecurities and anxieties i think yeah, really anxiety hours. Yeah, no, I um, I, I remember that. <laughs> uh, no. But no, I wouldn't. No? I wouldn't. Uh, it's less that I take it and internalize it as uh, anxiety causing, and more like outward anger causing. I would say. So <laughs> hopefully okay. that helps you. Hopefully that 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 uh, doesn't you know affect your performance at all. No, I mean, it will definitely, I will definitely internalize it and, uh, and think about it, uh, forever, basically. So that's going to be the show is mainly going to, today is mainly going to be me dealing with my internalized anxieties. I hope everybody's ready to do that. Um, it's going to be a, a real, a roller coaster, I would say. Here's what we're going to, oh no, I don't say that part yet. Let me tell you other things first. If you want to read more about all of our anxieties. You can find us at everything AEW. My specific anxieties are at Aaron like the car. Nate's are at Epitasis, and Mike's are at Fuji Heya. So go check those out. Subscribe to this podcast. Please give us a rating and review if you're using the Apple Podcast app. And if you want to support the show, please check out patreon.com slash everything elite. Here's what we're going to talk about on the show. This is the part of the show where I say that. We're going to review Fighter Fest night two. We're going to preview Fight for the Fallen. 
we'll talk about ratings. I think that's it. I think that's everything that's going to be discussed on this show. So let's get right to it. As is customary, we start with a little game we like to call Elite or Delete. Delete! Elite! Delete! Elite! Nate, buddy, um, you know, I hope that you're not angry about whatever your favorite thing on the show was. I'm, so. I'm, already, I'm tired of the I'm tired of the bit now. Um, <laughs> just took one one segment. Um, yeah, elite segment. All the wrestling on the show is really good. So I'm going to pick the match that was not shouted out here on our document uh chris jericho versus orange cassidy thought this really delivered the i don't know what it was if it was that this was a pre-taped show and they had time to go in and sweeten the crowd or something or if they figured out the miking better from night one and they had some mics up by all the uh you know normie people they had in the upper decks or whatever uh but Something about this match and this presentation really made it come across like a real hot major match that mattered in some way. And it just had like a major league feel, a main event feel is what I want to say. It it felt like an actual main event to a big show, which of course is what we're all chasing at all times. It's like one of those matches that just you're, you're with it and you feel it and you hang on every back and forth. And uh, yeah, there was like a, like, you know, a small hiccup at the beginning where they had to edit around Jericho doing something, throwing a weird clothesline. Uh, and from there, it was all like, just basically, oh my God, basically awesome. I have a plastic thing in my mouth that the listeners can't um, see because this is an audio medium, but I choked on it for a second there. As for me, this is a visual medium. I was wondering what it was for. For a second, I thought it was a piece of pasta. No, it's I like a... It's like a straw? No, it's like a, a bindy thing you would do to bind a, a bag. Oh, a tie. Yeah, like a tie. I call there it a bindy go. thing. A bindy thing, yeah. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no that, term. That, that works just as well. No, this was a match that I am, as someone who has transcended uh, Twitter and has transcended hype. Oh, this is I news. Knew. I want to talk about this. Mike has transcended Twitter, Aaron. Yeah, no, and this match was my example of transcending it. Okay. Is this news? Wait, did he is announce this? this? He just announced it. Did, did, did yeah, you know it, yeah. Already? I, I did. I did not know it. I, I've, I've still become, seen him on Twitter. Oh no, I'm still on there, but I'm <laughs> operating from a higher consciousness. And, I see. And, and when everyone was saying, like, when Chris Jericho was like, "That's the best match of my career," and everyone was doing the th- the usual thing they do when they pre-tape something and they set impossible expectations and they fail to achieve it, because whenever they do that, if if you believe them now, then you, you're the frog and they're the scorpion. But I enjoyed this a whole lot. I thought that I was real ready to get real mad about the finish, but I feel like that when they had all the run-ins and the orange juice spot, they could have really lost me there. But I thought like that they did. They then decided to use their overrun, their one minute of overrun for the first time in Dynamite history to continue and go to what I felt like was a pretty satisfying finish where it felt like that Jericho just really caught like a desperation Judas effect right as like Orange Cassidy was going for his full shot. So I, I think that this was a match that succeeded against the expectations that put forward to it. And of course, me having now transcended Twitter, 
I had no expectations. So I was doing pretty good about it. But yeah, no. My only pushback on this being an elite is Orange Cassidy's theme sucks. It's not a... It's it's no Jefferson Starship, and it's no whack, 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 best friends, which is what I think he should come out to most of the time. So that's my only negative about this match was Orange Cassie's theme seems like it's kind of half-baked needs to go back in the oven for a bit. I just want to mention this. I think my fight feed crashed early in the show and then was ahead of everybody else's feed by like a full two minutes or something. I think every, I think the the TNT feed and whatever else the YouTube feed for whatever reason was just running behind and that's why they had an overrun because my show ended like right at nine p.m. and it seemed like everybody else's went after and that was uh, that, that that was such an unusual thing that you wouldn't expect to happen but it seemed to happen. Uh, I I totally get how you could perceive that it is in the uh, rating document of record at Show Buzz Daily a show that was one hundred twenty one minutes though. So there was one. That's weird. Hey. But no, I mean, like, my feed was weird all night, too. So I understand that. Yeah, this, AP, show, which, had, this show had an was, overrun, baby. Yeah, one minute. What was your thoughts on this match? Do you think this match was elite? Uh, it was It was good. I liked it. Is that the? Are those the kind of takes we're supposed to bring to this show? Yeah, let's move on. Uh, yeah, thought it was good. I th- You guys covered all the things I thought about it, so... No reason to belabor it. Mike, what was your elite pick of the show? You know, as the podcast's lover of spots and moves that look dumb and sprints, I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to talk instead about Joey Janela versus Lance Archer, which is this really kind of old school feeling match, but worked really well where Lance Archer was most in control of this match, but Joey had some great shine and heat segments. Getting into it, they were able to kind of play off it pretty well. I mean, you had Sonny being involved as well. You had a little bit of Jake Roberts, but not in a distracting way that Jake Roberts can be at time. And he had a real sick finish of doing the blackout off the apron through the table and then doing the everybody dies claw like into the table and then dragging him to the ring for the pen. And I thought that it, it kind of, for someone like Joey that has been very up and down in this promotion, I felt like that Joey Janela came out and came off like just kind of this guy who was going, who was trying to persevere against the giant monster. And I feel like that this, for Lance Archer having had taken a step back after losing the TNT title tournament, this was a strong win for him. And it's something that makes me really interested to see him because Lance Archer, like, not to go total Joe Lanza here, but Lance Archer is an incredible big man worker. And I feel like that this was a really surprising match. And, and like the match on the show that probably was coming into it with the least expectations and it blew away whatever expectation I had. And I, ended up being like my second favorite match on the show like this match just outright rolled and i feel like that this was a real effective use of time and i feel like everyone came out of this looking really good and i'm excited to see where all the sides continue from here yeah this was a good match i really liked and this match was a part of that the like diversity of matches that we got on this show because we got like a you know a, a pretty dominant win by Archer here, but, you know, uh, Joey was competitive enough that he's, you know, somewhat protected as a member of the roster. We got uh, a fun handicap squash match. We got four-man tags. We got six-man tags. We got a one-on-one main event. And I just really liked all the different kinds of matches that it's not just, you know, straight ahead one-on-one matches and tag matches and dreaded triangle tag matches up and down the card. I really like just having a four on four tag match in there to switch things up. And and this is, you know, part of that whole uh, formula. Yes. 
I also thought that this match was good. My elite pick of the week. I'm going to keep it simple. It wasn't actually on the show, but it relates to something on the show. And that was Tony Khan's number one best tweet, maybe of all time, at Tony Khan. As we just informed at Swole World on hashtag AEW Dynamite via formal letter, Big Swole has been suspended from AEW for kidnapping Dr. Britt Baker. Wrestlers can't kidnap each other. It goes on, but that's the important part of the tweet. I So... Tony, I think Tony gets a lot of shit. He's been getting a lot of shit right before we started this show for his tweets because he's just out there tweeting about ratings and like why they actually won the ratings. He's responding and to the haters and losers. He's obviously he's, do- he's listening to too many dumb people. Yes, that's definitely he's true. Responding to them, he's responding to dumb opinions. Why? Why are you listening yeah. to dumb people? Then he did a tweet that was like basically. This is what the dumb people in my replies say, but this is what they say at other times, which means that he not only reads the replies, but then goes and clicks on those people's accounts and looks at their other tweets, which is fucking insane stuff. I will never understand. If I was a billionaire, I would quit Twitter that day. I mean, I can't imagine why billionaires post. It blows my mind. I just imagine that since he can't be flying back and forth to London for Fulham games, he's just really bored. So he's just going off and, you know, breaking the rule of billionaires shouldn't be on Twitter. Billionaires regularly tweet themselves into actual consequences. SEC, SEC <laughs> results SEC, of half. Yeah. I mean, J.K. Rowling basically tanked her whole uh, reputation on Twitter just because she loves fucking posting so much. Posting should be reserved for the people going through the doldrums of our daily lives like us. Yes. Fucking billionaires, go build your underground bunkers in New Zealand, God damn it! We post because there's nothing else to do. There, there's no other way to like survive on a daily basis than by just posting out into the, the wilderness. All that said, perhaps Tony Khan will never do a better tweet than wrestlers can't kidnap each other. I really enjoyed I mean, that. Can't. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not allowed. And it's like, it's part of this thing where he sometimes, he, go, he goes back and forth between Responding to the haters and losers and also giving like very dumb kayfabe (laughs) reasons for why they're doing stuff. It's like, who gives a fuck? But if he's going to do it, if it stays like in this cheesy lane, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to like it. I can't uh, I can't back you up on this because I think it's really unprofessional that they didn't make this decision until apparently the day of the show. Otherwise, why are they why are they cutting corners and they can't overnight a letter? If they're going to inform her by formal letter, this should have been in her hands by the day before at the latest. Yeah, HR presumably has her phone number. Yeah, You you have to understand, this was a very tough decision. I sat in on that meeting as a member of the AEW Championship Committee, and this went back and forth for hours. But we had to decide that wrestlers cannot kidnap each other. So sadly, like we, we, what we really should have done was to like send like a encrypted message to her phone and something like this, so she would turn around. But you know, this is how Tony decided to do it, it was by certified letter. And you know, you, you have to have processes here. You have to have processes. I mean, would would we have loved to send a FedEx envelope? Absolutely. But you have to make these snap decisions. And if it's tweeting and about you how you, can't... you didn't make a snap decision, that's exactly my point. You took all day, and that's <laughs> after all this out. deliberation, Jack Whitehall exactly is very the opposite of a snap decision. Jack Whitehall is very focused on the wrestlers not kidnapping decision. each other. Yeah, for the snap. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, 
that there if you want recourse you want to assist big swole in her recourse there are processes to go through if you want to help represent her in this discourse nate about a grievance about not being contacted in a timely manner yeah no they should have done that <laughs> yeah they should have they also uh they should hashtag reimburse big swole for her mileage getting mm-hmm. to the show no doubt well, they should that. be doing that anyway number one yeah, yeah no yes. shit. they should get yes. mileage in a fucking half <laughs> that's true wait a second does big swole saying she should be reimbursed for this suggest that they do not regularly get reimbursed for mileage probably oh, fuck. i mean allegedly they do get reimbursed for trans but that was also when they were like flying to and from places in that hotel room like that i don't know how it is now but mm. they were supposed to have been doing that so maybe i mean this is above my purview i just help out with making championship decisions so if you want to talk about logistics and reimbursement, that's not my department. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, the things we didn't like from the show. And frankly, there wasn't a lot that I didn't like. I had a hard time coming up with stuff to put on the list. So, Nate, I hope you have a good one. Yeah. So Frankie Kazarian does this spot uh, and did it on this show where the other guy's on the apron and Frankie's inside the ring and they both grab the ropes and Frankie pulls the ropes and it slingshots the guy into the ring and then he does a, a cutter to him. Uh, and I think that's stupid. I think the slingshot by lightly holding the ropes uh, is just obviously dumb. I mean, this match was probably my least favorite match on the show. It. I liked it because of Colt. Colt was... Colt was good in this. Played a great American television wrestling TV character going through a story <laughs> in this match, which is... You know, again, what this promotion is supposed to be. So uh, I enjoyed that aspect of it. But yeah, don't like the the slingshot on the ropes spot. Yeah, the slingshot on the rope spot was kind of bad. Uh, I've been pretty down on Christopher Daniels for a while. And this was not his most sterling effort here. I thought that the uh, Dark Order side, and especially Colt Cabana, like especially after having one of the largest hematomas ever seen in my life, that's yeah, apparently gross. legit, that's gross, came in, persevered. He's now on a two-match winning streak, and we get to see where this whole thing goes. But is it three matches now? No, I you held... fingers. Oh, yeah, hold up, two. I thought you held up three. Uh, no, so... two fingers and one plastic bindy thing. Plastic <laughs> bindy thing. That's what threw me off there. It doesn't look but... that similar to his finger, to be honest. I mean, guys, you got to cut me a break. I, I'm operating <laughs> on this, this state of uh, transcendence and existence that's kind of hard for me sometimes to... Sorry, bud. understand. Yeah, I would but, think the transcendence would make it easier to deal with the rabble I mean, rousers. I mean, the fat pipes don't always mean that I get like 1080p video from y'all, so things can look pretty pretty sketch at times. So, uh, here's here's my take on this. Yeah, please take it away for as this bit's dying in the grave. <laughs> it's just like so fucking funny to me, like this physical therapist character they have here, who's like, well, you've developed a large hematoma. We're seeing a lot of echimosis it's like it's annoying to me it's like these fucking cops who are like i observed a subject walking which this is i guess i'm the only one who probably reads a lot of police reports among the (laughs) among the three of us uh but it's the same thing with like doctors and cops and i guess fucking lawyers too who just like they're obsessed with writing things in a way that only they really talk and it just makes it hard for everybody else to understand it 
Yeah, I'm shoot dumb. You need to explain what those things are to me. Like, I know hematoma is a giant ass bruise just from looking at it. I don't know what that other word means. It sounds like witchcraft to me. See, I think I think it's great that AEW is endeavoring to educate us as we watch. They didn't try to educate us. Sure, they did. Mike learned what a hematoma is from context. I already knew what it was beforehand. It's not what you just said. That is not what you just said. I said I could tell what it was because it was a giant ass bruise. I still don't go. know what a. I'm still not certain of what now a hematoma you just, you is. You just said you already knew what it was. Okay. Now you, okay. you don't know what it is. <laughs> Hold on a second. A hematoma is not a fucking bruise. First of it's all, it's not. So I'm wrong. So I'm right and I'm wrong. Yes. A, a hematoma. A hematoma causes discoloration that can look like a bruise, but it's like bursted blood vessels. Oh, yikes. That sucks. One time my, uh, one time my friend in college threw up so much that he bursted all the blood vessels in his face and he was bright yeah. red for like yeah, a week. That, also, his, his eyes were bloodshot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, ecchymosis is bruising. Oh, 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 so the weird word's the one that I already knew. Okay. Well, I mean, you yeah, I don't think you word. can say that you already knew it. <laughs> I think that we've established one thing in the last five minutes here. <laughs> If we've learned if we've learned anything tonight, more so than anything, is that the Texas educational system has failed me. <laughs> oh, um, where are we? I guess Mike, it's your turn to tell us what you. Yeah, want to delete it's time for me. To, time for me to delete something. Um, Cook, baby. You know, I'm gonna. I'm cooking, and <laughs> I I know why they felt like they should have had this match, especially after they had to change up the card because of pulling the. Uh, men's world title match because of covid concerns with john moxley but this tag like it wasn't that it was a bad tag like there's some sick moves here and and like a good dive section and then like page doing this like crazy sit out liger bomb from the top turnbuckle to the ground was was gross but it just is something that there probably could have been something here that you didn't need to blow off as your hot match to bring people into the show we know that they like have they like to come in hot, and it just did not like jive with me completely. And it was something that, you know, I'm glad they always bring up the fact that the that private party defeated the Young Bucks in the first round of the inaugural AEW World Tag Team Title Tourney because if we didn't have that constant reminder of hey they had this banger match once, then I'm then I'd be like uh okay, and it's something that actually kind of like puts me like in a little bit of a sour mood because private party like we can see what they see in them like when you like see them in matches like that young bucks match but they haven't really done a lot to foster their growth so that it can't just be shoved into position of having an impromptu world tag team title match and succeed here and they just came away underwhelming in a match that we've seen both teams have much better matches and this match i kind of came out here just kind of disappointed and that's something like saying that I'm like disappointed with like a three and a quarter star match, but it's just, I have my issues with like how they do talent development. And I feel like that in some ways they somewhat have failed private party by not like having them wrestle every week on dark against teams like SCU strong hearts and now FTR to kind of help them like, like train on the job in a way so that when you thrust these into these situations that they could actually have a better chance to succeed rather than just get like a completion grade. Yeah, I feel like they're not – I feel like nobody's telling Private Party, like anybody around them, how they can like take the next step as a tag team. Like we just kind of see them doing the same stuff in every match they've ever had in AEW. And so it's like for them to really that, – that's 
It's also weird because that was my real concern about the Cody Marquin match. And then Marquin had like a really great performance where, right. Where, yeah. Where they like told a story that made sense. And he was like, you know, just like a classic uh, type of wrestling match, but they never do that in their, in their tag matches. So I just, they're not going to, they're not the young bucks. They're not going to be able to do this forever. And they're not going to be able, and the young bucks of course took that step later on where they were able yeah. to kind of incorporate different things. I think that's the uh, difference is the Young Bucks had, you know, started touring Japan and working all sorts of different matches up and down the car. And that gave them the more the wider breadth of experience. That's a great point. I mean, it's like yeah. with with private party and a lot of people that we're seeing in AEW, they're not going to get that experience. It doesn't look like maybe we'll see it later of going to Japan of, you know, the Bucks were working every shitty indie all over the world, you know, for a long time and seeing a lot of different stuff. And, and these guys are not getting that experience. I mean, it's, it reminds you, it's not going to be as stilting, I don't think, but it reminds you of some of the people who've been in WWE developmental for like ever. And they just work this like one very specific style and they never are able to get out of that. So I'm worried that that's going to happen to some of these folks in, in AEW. And, and it's something that with a tag team division that I've grown to actually really like this tag team division over the last like few months that they could very easily, like, and doesn't even have to make air. It could have very easily say, like, all right, so this week we are, or at least before COVID, you could have said, okay, this week we're going to have a private party match versus Natural Nightmares. And you go in there and let them go have 15 minutes there, and you let them develop these reps so they can learn these styles of matches because they're not going to be likely to go do tours of Japan or go to Mexico or go to Europe. So, like, you have to have some sort of on-the-job training for people that you want to have as a featured match and i feel like that they have not offered that to a team so that they could succeed here the funny thing is they need a largo loop oh i i mean like yeah i mean gcw <laughs> they should be sending a private party and I'll, to gcw like each week or each time they run a show and be like hey this time you're going to be facing uh uh chris dickinson and the one called manders just for example yeah um yeah i agree with with all that pretty much you know it's it's I kind of, I guess, wasn't, didn't have my expectations dashed in this match because I kind of expected it to look a lot like this. We know that Kenny Omega is going to go out in the first segment and do a, you know, a blow away match of this type because uh, that's just what he does on every show. Uh, and this is, uh, you know, kind of where I expect Private Party to be, where they have a lot of good ideas and we're just not quite putting them all uh, together yet. So, yeah, they need to, uh, um, you know, send him on a tour of uh, DDT. Uh, you know, Janela is wrestling Yoshihiko. The AEW DDT connections are continuing to multiply. Maki Ito is tagging with Lance Archer now. So, you know, whenever international, if international travel ever returns or if uh, we stop being quarantined in our country, you know, send him on a tour of DDT and just get him tons of reps. Nate, I really didn't enjoy hearing you say if international travel ever returns. Yeah. That didn't make me uh, feel good. It made me feel bad. Oh, yeah? Um, Yeah. Yeah, no, it'll return for other people, for other countries. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. A fucking music festival I always go to in the fall got canceled the other day, and that was the one that was like, oh, yeah, we're not doing anything until at least 2021. Mm. And so I'm just... What festival was that? Uh, it's called the Bristol Rhythm and Roots Festival. Oh, boy. A lot of Roots music. Sounds like uh, some Aaron Bentley stuff. Is it at the Bristol Motor Speedway? No, it's literally in downtown Bristol. Man, why is it not the Bristol Motor Speedway? 
Uh, because it's cool. The Bristol Motor Speedway is awesome. It's a fucking it's like oval, a ra- man. No, no oval racing. So you're a Bristol Motor Speedway truther of all people. I'm an anti-oval racer. That's it. Wow. That's wow. It. I'm opposed. What, to what all- does Formula One race on? They have, have windy roads and shit. Yeah, they yeah, do man. do windy roads, but I know okay. for certain Aaron Bentley's background is in NASCAR, is in stock. Well, so, some of us, you know, have to grow Personal up. Personal growth, like, yeah. And, yeah, I, I did a growth. And <laughs> did a yes growth. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. So, um, but the big, the, I mean, I go to the festival every year. It's like right near where my mother lives. Uh, but it's like outdoor festival all downtown, like hundreds of thousands of people come to this festival every year. Tons of stages, tons of bands. This year they booked Jason Isbell as the headliner. So it was oh. going to be like a, a <laughs> double AJB thing. And it's just fucking canceled, man. Hmm. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's so obviously we're not going to like all out or whatever, you know, that's not happening. And uh, yeah, we're not doing anything. So, I mean, people say, uh, you know, I've a friend of mine tweeted, I think it's really funny that people keep pretending that we're just going to have football in the fall and everybody's just like going along with this. I'm like, you're kind of discounting the very real possibility that we will. And they'll just say, fuck it, you know, 4 million people are going to die, whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, I understand like the, oh no, it's like, insane to do that but i also kind of think you're underestimating uh how little the people in uh you know capital care well two conferences announced today that they're only doing conference games they canceled their non-conference schedules yeah that really football. fucked miami up miami yeah. was supposed to play michigan state this year yeah so that's like a lot of college football is basically already going to be canceled um uh, we'll see i don't know but the even if that happens even if they play the games, it's like, I'm still not traveling anywhere. And I was just talking to Sarah before we recorded of like, you know, work sucks so much. Like it's like, it's such a miserable existence, you know, working day after day and like life yeah. generally is pretty miserable. Well, and it's, it's mostly like, work. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so it's, I mean, this isn't a unique thought, but it's those little things that kind of like allow you to Convince yourself that it like life is worth living, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> that you should continue to the next day. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. yeah, no, I you know, uh uh no, yeah, I'm going to Japan next year. Yeah. That's like right. I'm yeah. getting a, a gonna, thing to look forward to. I'm gonna yeah, see all my friends in Chicago. You know, we're all gonna get together for right. all out or whatever. And it's like there's nothing to look forward to. Nothing. It's mostly yeah, Nintendo Directs. Just look forward to new Nintendo announcements. That's uh yeah, the, the yes, most five. joy. The most this joy. You got to go get into the gaming more. Yeah, maybe so. Because right now, the most joy I get is like buying something and then like waiting for it to show up and then like going out <laughs> to my porch to pick to get it. Yeah. I mean, F one's back this Sunday. That's bit. That was really nice last week watching the race. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. Um, no, but I would not- like to go to places, you know. And I know this is like middle-class bullshit, you know, of being able to go to places. I understand that, but... Sure, but but it's like the idea that, like, we live in a society and a culture that now we're so fixated on certain things because we don't have the other diversions. Like, we used to be able to, like... I, I, the phrase, like, diversioning yourself to death. Like, be able to, like, ignore certain things because you have things to look forward to, and now we are in a state now that, like, honestly, like, moments in my week I look forward to is, like, these, like, set things. And now we don't have those set things. We're finding new set things. Or we're just all sitting here just dwelling on the uh, 
the nihilism of human existence. Yeah, rules. I mean, <laughs> very, uh, it's very funny. I mean, sorry yeah. to get real there for a second. No, it's true. I mean, I'm like. I'm like more depressed than usual lately, for sure. Yeah, I, I actually had this, uh, for whatever reason, this came to mind when I was, to, well, I can probably think of what the reason was um, if I give myself a minute, but uh, I was like, yeah, you know, the the <clears throat> uh, canard that people want to trot out about why they're optimists or whatever is like, oh, the arc of the moral universe is long, but bends toward justice or whatever, which maybe may have been true on an infinite timeline, but now it just points to climate apocalypse. <laughs> it's like, no, it, because the time's going to run out well before we get anywhere to justice. And it's just going to be the billionaires and their underground bunkers, uh, you know, evolving into mole people while everyone else burns to death. You've really gone in on New Zealand, and the bunkers today, bud. No, uh, yeah, I was thinking of Peter Thiel cause he bought his New Zealand citizenship right. and you know, yeah. there was a, I also saw a listing for like a luxury bunker recently. Um, and you know, we're all sort of living bunker life. So I've got bunkers on the brain, I guess. So, so that's why you're using your Patreon money is just get yourself a share in a luxury bunker. It sounds yeah, like very, very slowly building up, uh, savings for my, uh, you know, paupers bunker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, we're not getting a bunker. Trust no, me. No, no bunker. It's Gotta like figure out how to turn a, uh, I'm not on the bottom floor here. So I'm really my options for, uh, you know, protecting myself here are pretty slim. Yeah. All right. Well, probably nobody wants to hear about what this, the fuck so. are we talking about? Anything? <laughs> I, I, I did my delete of uh, not taking the opening match. We talked okay. about talent <laughs> development, and, and then oh, like you said, international a... travel. That's yeah. Okay. Yeah, international travel. Up, that's baby. how we got there. That that's where we were on this like family circus Jeffy ass episode. Yeah. Look, my delete is. I guess Nyla's gonna have a manager. I'm tired of managers. Taz is the only good manager. No more managers. That's it. I just think it's bad. She doesn't need a manager. She no, she's great on the mic. She's good on the stick, yeah. Yeah, but she's going to have a manager, and it seems like people are of the belief it's going to be Vicky Guerrero, which I don't think that's a net positive there. So it's really I think unnecessary. That it's just something that, like, I understand, like, the internal logic of of her seeing everyone getting a, a manager, like Cody getting Arn and then getting, becoming champion uh brian cage coming in with taz and is now a champion as well and i and i could totally see her logic there especially after she's one of four women on the roster who are actually seemed like to be eligible for a title shot that it seems like this is her way back into the title picture so like it makes sense but it sucks yeah but those yeah, it's, a, it's people... a fine it's a fine tool for rehabbing somebody who lost to like hey i'm making a character change and that's what's going to make sense for why i start climbing the rankings again but yeah, we're just we're at critical mass for managers already, and half of them are not, you know, a net positive to the act. Uh, and you know, Taz is the one, but you know, his effectiveness, like with a lot of things, is lessened when you know he's the third one you see on a show. Right, and it's also that like Taz and Arn Anderson are famously successful wrestlers, so it makes you know you can put together in your head why their involvement with the wrestler helped them to become more successful it's like what is vicky guerrero supposed to add to how is she supposed to help nyla rose and it, that's hard for me to understand but anyway yeah i just hate it so that's it ratings aw down a little in total viewers from 748 to 715 although they have if you look at the 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 
chart or whatever the thing yeah that, the show buzz daily well but i mean if you look at the spreadsheet that you put together or whatever you look at the trends they kind of go up and down each week like so this is actually less of a drop than they had been doing recently right. and they didn't drop at all they actually went or they, they stayed flat i guess basically in the demo which they had been dropping down with the demo too so it's interesting to me that they maintained their 18 to 49 viewers while dropping some other viewers. I'm not sure what that means. 0.28 in the demo, seventh overall. NXT was also down a little bit in total viewers, 792,000 to 759,000. They dropped all the way to 24th in the demo from 13th, down from a 0.22 to a 0.2. Yeah, and uh, a couple of takeaways from this, because actually I do have more to talk about than last week. Uh, I think that this actually... Considering that they've had to pull out of their booked and developed world title match and had to like shuffle around and move like Orange Cassidy versus Chris Jericho clearly was going to be like the nine o'clock hour match. Like we know how much they love Orange Cassidy being Mr. Nine O'Clock and they had to reformulate this. So losing 33,000 overall viewers and only a 10th in the demo, you know, it's not great. Like I'm not going to say like, oh, this is a win, but you know, all things considered, this isn't anything to like like to like turn your back on and stick your nose up about uh the thing that's going to be interesting is two things one the i i was having a conversation with uh brandon thurston on twitter yesterday about this uh wwe raw on monday nights is going down so fast that last week nxc and aew combined in p14 to 49 which is the demo which was higher than raw last week so we really are seeing like this acceleration of the idea of, oh, is wrestling going to end up being like a Wednesday night thing? And that might even be like further accelerated with the fact that uh, we kind of talked a little bit about this, but the NBA, the NHL, and Major League Baseball will all be back in some fashion within the next three weeks. And they're going to be plastered all over TV. So this is going to be like a moon landing scenario for wrestling shows where they're all going to take a whole lot of hits. And it's going to be interesting to see how they all respond to that. So... I, I know, like, opening day is now uh, July 26th, I want to say. So, I mean, like, it's, like, two or three weeks, like, uh, sports apocalypse happens. Also, I, ju I just have one take, and it's on the, the Orange Cassidy thing, which is I think people are missing the point entirely of whether Orange Cassidy is a draw. And What, what people could you mean, Aaron? Uh, no, I, this is a lot of people. This is not okay. just Joe Lanza's take. A lot of people uh, have been... Uh, putting this take out or, or just missing the point entirely, which is as Mike talked about the people who weren't on the show, you know, they dropped the Mox and cage match. Obviously they inserted orange Cassidy into the main event, orange Cassidy into the main event of this show. So the real question is how much did he maintain the, the viewers that they would normally get in this spot, compare him to prior main events and how he did there because if they got even anywhere close to a normal main event segment with orange cassidy as the other guy that's a huge win they've created somebody new who they can drop into a, a main event and they do pretty well i mean and you look at next week which we'll talk about later but they've got you know all the stars everybody up and down uh the show so we'll see how those two compare but i think being able to not fall off a cliff when you throw somebody like Orange Cassidy into the main event uh, is a huge win. All right, let's run down the show. Hangman Page and Kenny Omega retained their tag team championships when they defeated Private Party. Page pinned Cassidy after the last call. I think we've already 
discussed this match pretty well. Uh, we've discussed most of the show, I think, already. That's fine. Lance Archer defeated Joey Janela, blackout through a table on the outside. Uh, Archer came out with Sonny Kiss on his shoulders. Sonny was out of it. Uh, they kind of, Sonny got involved a few times during the match. And my take was basically, I agreed with Mike that I wasn't really sure uh, what to expect out of this, but it ended up being a really good match where it's, it's like you just had basically the most average or not average, the most basic pro wrestling match you could have where Joey got shine early on. Then Lance beat him down for a while. Then Joey had a comeback. Then Lance cut him off and won the match. That's like, that's pro wrestling baby. And it was done very well. There was a Darby Allen video next. He said, it's been about a month since I've been out of the ring. Uh, reminds Brian Cage that he hasn't forgotten about him. And then we see him practicing coffin drops with Travis Pastrana. And he drops off some huge thing into some cushy blocks. It looks like Travis Pastrana has a pretty sick layout. Like if you wanted to like try out flips or I know that he did motocross and doing like tricks into the foam blocks. That seems like that would be a good time. I did see that uh, he... Darby did tweet that he's visiting Bam Margera next week. Or, like, there was a photo about him at Castle Bam or whatever it's called now. So he's really visiting a lot of the early 2000s, like, alt-sports culture lately. So, yeah. Brian Cage came out next with Taz. Tony Schiavone was in the ring interviewing them. <laughs> in- interviewing them? I'm not sure why I said that that way. Uh, Taz said he's glad Tony's here because... Tony's been a part of so many iconic moments. This is going to be another one. He reminds us that Boxley was supposed to defend his title against Cage on this show, but it's going to happen next week. And he's holding something in a bag. He says, what's in my hands now is something I created decades ago, something that is my full body of work, created with my blood, sweat, and tears. What's in my hands is the FTW World Championship. No promotion has ever recognized it, but wrestling fans worldwide recognize the respect of the man who holds it. Because the man who holds it is the baddest son of a bitch in wrestling. Uh, and that man is not going in to fight for the fall without a championship because Brian Cage is the FTW world champion. He hands Brian Cage the belt. And he says, what you're looking at is some renegade shit. He drops shit, uh, I think, twice in two sentences. And uh, he says, mocks your ass is done. Who better than the machine? Yeah, kicks ass. Uh, title belts that aren't necessarily tied to one promotion or title belts that outlive promotions are... Just one of the more fun, cool things in wrestling. Uh, Taz, obviously, great promo. Um, bringing the lineage of the FTW title is a good way to give just uh, Cage a little more juice. And it also, you know, it's an appropriate callback considering the circumstances of how the FTW title was first introduced. Um, I will say we kind of need to see some more like FTW energy from Cage. Like he doesn't have that sort of chip on his shoulder to this point that Taz sort of did where it was like, no, fuck you, fuck the world, whatever. I have something to prove and I'm aggrieved and mad about it. You know, we just don't have that coming from cage quite yet. You know, maybe he hasn't gotten the opportunity to show it and show that part of his character, but I think that needs to develop. Um, and yeah, this is very, I don't Fuck. I wasn't going to shout out out camp, but now I did. Uh, he, he mentioned in, uh, in the chat, <laughs> Um, that, you know, now they have to protect the FTW title because they just introduced it. Uh, and it's, you know, it was a compelling segment and I think it's a, just a compelling thing to keep our eye on. Um, Moxley's lost some momentum, you know, through no fault of his own, you know, really, you know, they were keeping him pretty strong and 
giving him wins and featuring him. But then, of course, COVID uh, interceded. Uh, the point being, I think you got to go with the hot hand. I think Brian Cage should beat Moxley, take the AEW title. It's not like it's going to be hurting uh, at the gate or hurting you know, on the ratings or hurting live reactions or anything because all those things are out of the window. And it just elevates a new guy to that next level and and gives him a, a, a fresh young face, which will maybe remove some of those uh, concerns that people have about, you know, trading on old WWE names and trading on nostalgia all the time. I think, you know, it, it's a it's a opportunity right now to maximize the potential of Brian Cage pretty quickly, uh, and I I don't see any downsides to doing. I think uh, I think Cage should win the belt. And it's something that if you make that change, which I don't know if I'm fully on board with that, Nate. I'm still kind of ruminating on it. If you do that change, you could always have the rematch where Mox wins the title back whenever there's live crowds and build it as like his pursuit again because it does seem that like his pursuit of Jericho became such like a strong thing on the be- the first half of this year leading up to Revolution that like since then, again, no fault of his own, he's felt like he's cooled off as champion and maybe his best position is being the person who's in like forever pursuit and let's see with cage i do think that there's something to do with the ftw title i mean didn't taz end up winning the ecw title as ftw champion and he still like came out with the belt and was like oh no my ftw belt is not on the line and I ecw think, I, I, I think he just unified him i don't know did he so the first time he the first time he dropped it, he was being set up to win the ECW title. So he uh, pulled Taz on top of him, and basically, or pulled Sabu on top of him, and basically forfeited the belt to Sabu. Uh, and then when he won it back and won the ECW title, at that point he unified. Okay, okay, but like you have a lot of different ways to go with Cage, whereas with uh, Moxley, as we've seen, especially seeing like probably his best like opponent is out of the country and pack like pack versus moxley probably is like your big world title match unless you're going to do pack versus fenix you might want to see how this is like i i'm you're talking you've talked me into this nate i'm firmly on the other side of, of this equation i mean mox is a proven television draw and the idea of in a time when they're already sliding in TV ratings, and now pro sports are coming back. The idea of taking the title off Moxley, I think, would be a very bad move. I mean, was it is his uh, effectiveness as a draw enhanced by him having the belt? It seems like he was. I mean, he wasn't not drawing before he won the belt. Well, that's true, but it's not like he can make because of the the circumstances that we're in. It's not like he can make a star out of Brian Cage by Cage beating right. Him. So yeah. I don't think you use his star effectively in that way. Right. But I don't think it lessens his star to put cage over here uh, because you have the, the weird circumstances. Uh, you know, you can even say, you know, Hey, Moxley's heart, his head's not in it right now. He's got a sick wife at home, you know, give him an out there and have him, you know, lose the title because he's got other things on his mind. Um, and I think it, it just legitimizes cage. It doesn't necessarily make a star out of him. But it just puts him in that top echelon, of, uh, you know, with Jericho, Cody, Omega, Page, Pac. Uh, it just puts him on that top line of guys who can be like, oh, that's a potential champion. That's a potential challenger. And then hopefully that carries through to whenever live crowds return. I guess my thing is just that they, this company main events their shows with the world title. 
and I would rather have John Moxley in my main events than Brian Cage if I'm yeah. trying to get people to watch my television show. I don't I don't hate the idea. I mean, I like the idea of of turning Cage into like one of your one of your guys. Uh, I just I would rather see that happen. And who knows when we're ever going to have live crowds again. So it's it's almost you can't really book at this point I don't think planning on when live crowds are going to return because I mean there is not going to be a show with li- with a live crowd until at least 2021. Yeah, we, yeah. Well, well, I'll try to we'll try to skip the more depressing COVID talk segment. But um, yeah, <laughs> yes. I, I do. Th- I think you're right. If you're going to do that with Cage, you would certainly have to line up like big time challenges for him. You'd have to do Jericho. You'd have to do you know Omega and give him big programs to sort of carry that mantle on top for sure. That's a great point. Okay. The young, the eight man tag that everybody was waiting for, the Young Bucks and FTR defeated Lucha Bros and Butcher and Blade. Uh, Pentagon pinned Matt Jackson after an assisted package pile driver that Mike suggests might be called the LB driver. Um, and most importantly, in a match that Ricky Morton called a Rembrandt painting. I mean, if Ricky loves it, then like, I know it's we good. didn't really. Yeah, no, exactly. And, oh, uh, I felt like that to, to metagame an elite or delete, I feel like that everyone else was like, oh no, I bet this person's going to choose it, so I'm not going to pick something else. And none of us cho- chose this as our elite of the week, but this match ruled FTR. This was the most impressive they've been in. I've been someone who's been somewhat down on FTR as a tag team, but this was really solid. And, you know, this was just like, they had like some like triple team work that was kind of interesting there was like a moment where like they did like a triple tag and tag and tag and thing which is like a weird character trait that just comes across as try hard not necessarily it's like you could come into the ring for like interference it's just if the referee like catches you he's going to send you to the back or he'll just like start counting you so like you don't need to do that and be a bunch of nerds but the match ruled the uh in the fucking insane springboard uh a canadian destroyer plancha was one of the most like stupefying things in the world phoenix is the most talented wrestler on the planet at times and this is rocked like this was exactly what it could have been and that is incredibly happy and it makes you feel a lot better at least me personally makes i feel like it would make viewers a lot feel a lot better about how FTR is going to gel themselves into the division in a tag team match that was not at all like a Southern style tag team match that they're supposed to be banning about. Also this, this match kind of, uh, I mean, it was uh, a great watch. Like I said earlier, I love just the setup of a four on four tag, especially with like these weird, uh, weird alignments. Cause you get so much character interplay that you might not otherwise. Uh, but you know, one of, one of Aaron's old uh, complaints was that the, Butcher and the Blade team was kind of being minimized and uh, this sort of rehabbed them a bit because they were on the winning side of this and they were in there with, you know, three of the other best tag teams in the world uh, and right there going toe to toe. So, yeah, this was a, a success really in in every uh, way it could have been. Yeah, that's been one of the uh, bright sides of, of COVID is Butcher and the Blade have been available and thus they've kind of had to be featured a little bit. And yeah, I think they've settled into a pretty good spot. I still would have liked to have seen them get a chance to to have a run but um or to like to become something but they're in a good spot now obviously this tag team division is stacked so it's it's hard really to complain about where they are now but yeah this match was excellent it really explains why I didn't like the opening tag match in that they're similar in that it's like a bunch of spots you know like we're trying to do cool stuff to to get the TV crowd I guess excited but this was at such a higher level 
than than that opening match. It was much smoother. I mean, the uh, degree of execution or the degree of difficulty rather was much higher on a lot of the spots that they did. It's like if you're going to do spot, 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 it, I need like I need to be worried that people are going to die. <laughs> well, uh, you're right, but it also it, it it was better than the opening tag uh, and the character aspect as well. Yeah, uh, you know, Phoenix and Pentagon alone are like the two most charismatic guys on the roster, and then you know the the FTR and Young Bucks interplay just has a story with more substance to it than you know uh, the Cowboy Bebop versus Private Party match. <laughs> and the the Canadian Destroyer is just like I'm. I feel pretty confident that I have never seen that move attempted before. No, no, that was. I don't think I've even seen, and I've watched a lot of Phoenix stuff. Like no, the thought of doing that never crossed my mind. That yeah, it's, it's insane. It it felt. I, I'm about to mention some canceled people. I'm sorry, but it felt the way I felt at the WrestleCon Super Show in Orlando when. And this is like old hat now, but Will Osprey and Marty Squirrel did a Spanish fly off the top rope to the outside, and it was the most fuck the most insane thing I'd ever seen uh, to that point. Just like it's when you you kind of feel as much wrestling as we all watch. You kind of feel like you've seen it all, you know? And sure. When somebody yeah. pulls out something that you know you've never seen, it just makes you go crazy, especially when it's like, you know, death-defying in a way. So Right. Uh, that rule. that Earlier in the match, Phoenix and, and Nick Jackson did the spot where they're both on the turnbuckle and they both just jump up to the top rope at the exact same time, which was the insane new spot that they did, you know, uh, at night two of Bola, like three years ago or whatever. And now it's like, Oh, that's the, that's the appetizer spot for the giant spot we have planned later. Uh, which, you know, just gives you a, a, a frame of reference on how insane those two guys are. Um, but I also, the pairing of those two, I would like, I don't know when Matt Jackson retires or whatever, just Nick and Phoenix to be a team. Cause they would get up to some shit. I, I just, just, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Mike. I was going to say like, the, the, the thing about this is that I think that was really smart and they're touching on something that doesn't happen much is this was not too different from what is typically called in Mexico a Parejas and Caribles match where you have where like you still have like your rivals teaming with each other with like the Bucks and and FTR but like the idea of like Nick Jackson and Phoenix like if they ever did like in CML, there always was the Perejas and Caribe tournament where they basically would just like one face, one heel, one face, one heel in each team. And just imagining like how like mind breaking Nick Jackson and Phoenix could be as a tag team is something that Tony have a Perejas and Caribe tournament. Like give me Lance Archer teaming with uh, Sunny Kiss. That could be really interesting. Like the, the kind of stuff that could happen in a tournament like that would be incredibly interesting. And could be something you know you have back the can back in back in your mind, and you could put it in the can. And if it comes harder to film, like just do like a crazy tag tournament. Who wouldn't love it? That that was the what was the WCW gimmick? Was that uh Battle Bowl? Battle Bowl, yeah, yeah, yeah. Battle Cody, Bowl pro- Cody probably owns that trademark. Uh, I I think I just read that WWE applied for the or like re- renewed the trademark of Battle Bowl. I think that's true. <laughs> Probably intentionally to block Cody Rhodes. I'm yeah, sure. I think it was just in the news, Battle Bowl. I could be making that up, but something like that. All right, next we saw Big Swole walking up to the to the arena. She's met by Alex Marvez and a blonde woman in an AEW t-shirt who apparently is from HR or something. Uh, but, you know, she's just a woman in a t-shirt, best I can tell. Uh, she says Swole is banned from Dynamite. Hands the uh, the letter that we, we talked about earlier, the formal letter. And Swole says, you could have called me for this. You ever heard of a fax machine? 
which I thought yeah, was I mean, a very funny. Like Jaguar's legal definitely owns fax machines. I know they do. I know. Nick Perec definitely has used the fax. There's definitely a fax machine in that office. Oh, I, yeah, there is. So I I'll, also, it, the I mean, it, sound, it sounds like Big Swole has one because she brought it up. That's right. <laughs> there also was a line of like, get, get the, uh, oh no, that happened later. Sorry. Folks, you can, let me just uh, tell you a little secret here. You can do fax by email these days. So, you know. Th- that sounds like witchcraft. Yeah, that, that ruins the charm of it for me. I, if it's not yeah. coming a, a hotly, hot, fresh piece of paper across the printer for me, then it's not the same. Well, as someone with a home office, I didn't really want to buy a fax machine so much, you know? So just, uh, I don't know, signed up. They gave me a number. People fax stuff to it. It pops up in my email. It's very exciting. It's not exciting. Swole, I thought, was good here. I mean, I th- like, you know, they've been letting her spread her wings a little bit with doing some uh, some acting. And, you know, sometimes early on, I thought she kind of struggled a little bit. But I think she's, I think she's easing into a character that, that works for her. Next up was Nyla Rose defeating Kenzie Page and Kylin King. She pinned both of them after she beast bombed Kenzie Page onto Kylin. Anything you guys want to say about the match before we talk about the? Well, I mean, we already talked about the post match, I guess. But Kylin makes me think of that meme with the the blonde pregnant woman and the list full of names, and they're all crossed out. <laughs> you know, what I'm talking about. <laughs> Yes. I mean, no, but I can get the idea of it just from you explaining it. And they're all just very, uh, (laughs) you know, Park Slope-ass made-up names. Yeah. Oh, I had, in my high school, four different spellings of Kaylee. And this was, like, early 2000s. So, yeah, no. Explaining the... I'm explaining the gif or the meme. Uh, Sorry. She rules. Uh, Kylan rules. Kylan uh, does rule. She's one of the great members of the dark AW Dark roster, so good to see her. The A show. Yes. Uh, well, the B show. The A show is a shot of Brandy. but That's true. That's true. Uh, after the match, Nyla says everyone's wondering what she has to say because this has been, you know, hyped as a big announcement. But she believes actions speak louder than words, and yet she is going to say more words in this segment. Uh, she says her actions tonight spoke for themselves. She looks around and sees all these great wrestlers, so she's taking it upon herself to hire a manager, but she's not ready to tell us who it is. The camera pans to Penelope, who says, it's not me, which, you know, I think that's big news. Uh, She says, but I can promise you one thing. All these people with managers have one thing in common. Cody, champion. Brian Cage, champion. She doesn't mention Lance Archer for some reason in this this promo. She says, so my manager will ensure that one day very soon I will again be AEW Women's Champion. Hikaru Shida is response to this segment like after like you know we've talked about the interview more like it seems like whenever like they are like do like a shot to her like she has like a her angry face is a very sad face or like a very worried face it's just like what's one of those things where like they kept on cutting to hikarashita in this and you know i was just like oh okay but it's gonna be interesting i mean if it ends up being vicky guerrero i don't know like that's going to be something I mean, Vicky and Sheeta interacting does sound kind of funny to me. Okay, that that does sound interesting, but um, <laughs> but like again, like Nyla's a good enough promo as is. She doesn't need to have Vicky Guerrero as a mouthpiece. She does not. They should bring, they should bring in Emmy Sakura as Nyla's manager. Okay. <laughs> continue. Uh, continue. I, I don't know. I, I've kind of. I've already played it out. Um. 
I don't know. I was trying to come up with, no, they should bring yeah. in. Don't. They should bring in Mako Satamora as Nyla's manager. She's mad that Sheeta abandoned Sendai girls. Okay. And she's here to uh, take her revenge. And take revenge on uh, the Wednesday night competition for abandoning NXT Japan. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's it. She's here oh, to take two, her revenge. Two birds with one stone. She's here to take her revenge on COVID-19 for, for killing NXT Japan. By traveling into a infested <laughs> country. Well, you have you have to go where the enemy is. Sure. Nate. Uh, backstage, we see Colt on the treatment table. We see a lot of either hematoma or ecchymosis. On or both. Both. Could be both. Um, I mean, all I know is it was a big-ass bruise. Or, that's all I can say. Or it was a hematoma, Mike. I'm, I'm trying to explain this, buddy. I a mean, hematoma I... can look like bruising. But not a really? bruise. Yes. The, can we, you can... we not? Can we not? <laughs> can we make that request? Nate did not sign up to be an Aaron well, just, We already Mike did that once, so we got nowhere. Yeah. This is not going <laughs> to... <laughs> all right, we'll, we'll delete doing that bit again. Um... Anyway, the PT says that Colt is still cleared to wrestle. Brody Lee says, I'm not sure how this happened, but with me watching your back, it won't happen anymore. So we expect you out there tonight. Go get ready. Colt says, got it, Mr. Brody. That leads right into the Dark Order team of Brody Lee, Stu Grayson, Colt Cabana, defeating SCU. Colt pinned Christopher Daniels after Brody again invited him in to uh, to get the pin. Yeah. Like the, all the story stuff here is good. And it's like, yeah, you know, they uh, have been promising to recruit people by teaching them how to win. And that's what they're doing. So you see Colt, who's got his first chance here to be a television guy. And it's like, yeah, I, I actually do want to get some wins. This Brody guy doesn't seem so bad. Yeah. I'm not sure where this is going, but I'm. Oh, well, I'm all- uh, so, I, so I wanted to shout out also um, the there's the implication or they didn't give us a justification for how Colt's injury happened, which is key because, uh, you know, there's the subtext here that Mr. Brody Lee is making him wrestle, even though he's injured. Of course, Mr. Brody Lee is like a send up of Vince McMahon. So that's uh, some, you know, uh, uh, petty little commentary there, which is fun. Uh, but, you know, I think this is maybe sets in motion the keys for where this storyline is going, which is like, oh, somebody attacked Colt. And now we can sort of unpack that and, and get some resolution to the story by finding out who it was that gave Colt all these nasty hematomas. I look forward to finding out. Maybe the librarians can help. <laughs> uh, Britt sends Tony a note. She says, every time you plug JR's book, make sure you plug my something. And I, I couldn't understand it or hear it. So I don't know what she wanted plugged. Does, oh, does- I, d- I did hear it. I forgot now. Does Brett have some sort of product that's coming out soon? No? Okay. Mm, no. Shirts? Uh, it was just her merch, I think. I think it was just her okay. merch. Okay, merch. That, that sounds right. I think it was the Rolls-Royce t-shirt. Is ah, that okay. Uh, we, we see then that Swole has snuck in, but Rebel is blocking her from getting to Brit. Uh, Swole throws the formal letter at Rebel, but it hits Brit uh, in her nose that, that's already injured, so... She was uh, selling this hard and, and very upset. Uh, Swole did have a line of like, get that uh, palm out of out of my face. I'm not Jesus. That I thought was really great. <laughs> yes. 
Palm, yeah, because uh, Rebel had a palm frond that she was airing uh, Brit with. Um, <laughs> a little gimmick infringement here with the uh, you know business papers as weaponry uh, with the Dark Order, of course. But yeah, yeah, they should have. Why didn't AEW have a a special folder with their logo on it to hand her this letter in? Uh, they just they're not as well oiled the machine as the dark order is dark order has all their, you know, uh, corporate synergies pumping and flowing. Pretty embarrassing for AW to put this in a, you know, a number 10 envelope rather than a, uh, manila envelope. I Look, mean, the whole situation is embarrassing for AW. They fucking true. gave it to her after she drove all the way down there and had a woman in a t-shirt handed to her <laughs> and and yeah, pretended yeah. that they were like serving her like oh you know yeah serve her. Just, you've just, been served that was very yeah. weird also like really we're doing a fucking lawsuit angle i was about to be annoyed <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's being sued for showing up to work uh main event chris jericho defeated orange cassidy judas effect there was a one minute overrun which I found very funny. I just assumed they just, they're like, we cannot cut another minute out of this show. And they called Turner and somehow got an extra minute for their TV show. Okay. They tweeted about the puppy bowl right at nine o'clock too. So I just think the overrun was unintentional. I mean, all I know is that on my, on cable, it was literally set to go from eight to 10 Oh one. Like the, hmm. uh, the time yeah. slot. We did this before too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, did we? I missed that part. We did. Did you okay. actually? I don't. I literally don't remember it. But talking about the overrun, like <laughs> during the rain, at, at the beginning of the show. Yeah. No, no, I don't, I don't think so, guys. It, it, is your mind so focused on teaching me what a hematoma is? <laughs> yeah, an ecchymosis. Uh, I just want to say uh, also that Kara was right. Just wanted to get Good. that out there. Yeah, hammer that. Kara, Kara was right. Okay. Uh, if you enjoy the show, 80, 80 free episodes now, uh, you want to support the show a little bit, you can go to patreon.com slash everything elite. There's three tiers where you subscribe. You'll get bonus shows. We do um, use, we, I don't know how, I want to say this sensitively so that I don't know. Uh, Nate doesn't like me to overpromise. I think he's afraid we'll underdeliver and maybe it'll piss everybody off. But on a. Just being, being savvy about it. Yeah, you're you're smarter than I am. So I mean it makes sense. But basically, here's what we did last week. We did a bonus show where we reviewed the Choco Pro Riho's Homecoming show. So if you're missing Riho, you want to know what Riho's up to, we got all the scoops, baby. <laughs> Highly exclusive information in that one. There was a <laughs> YouTube live stream show. Good show though. The, uh, yeah. The, yeah, it was worth checking out if you haven't seen it and you want to see a Riho mass. Also, Emi Sakura, who we didn't like talk about at all, but was a featured part of AEW. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, true. yes. Um, Wasn't a title match at a pay-per-view. Right. Hmm. Yeah, so it was a good show. So, And also, it was a good episode, so go check it out. Wednesday, we did Light, which is where Mike and I preview that night's Dynamite, review the night before on Dark, and then Nate hits us with reviews and recaps of every vlog that exists. In the world, basically. All the top vlogs. See, I just said no overpromising, and now you're <laughs> going so far beyond overpromising. <laughs> next next week you can expect a fight for the fallen retrospective. So they're giving us a lot of themed shows lately, so we can really look back uh on the previous 
um, iterations of those shows. So that's nice. Light will be back. Uh, we have a Discord. If you join the Patreon at the $5 or $8 tier, you get access to the Discord. Mike and I do voice chats every Tuesday and Wednesday night during Dark and Dynamite. And otherwise, we're just, you know, usually around there to chat. Nate apologizes in there sometimes. So. Yeah, I think I'm just going to use that for formal apologies and maybe birthday wishes. <laughs> hey, that's a that's a strong ethic there. Uh, this month, also, I'm going to have another episode, if we don't have other retrospectives, of Breaking Strong Hearts out. So there's also that to look forward to as well. Yeah, and what I need, I, I'm going to say this on the show so that it makes me feel accountable to do it. Uh, sure. Stardom is about to come back, so I need to, I need to uh, get back going. The Stardom status episodes I was doing, so I need to get one of those out soon because they ran a show. They're about to run a whole uh, run of a shows. Of shows. Yeah, and, I, and everybody needs to be caught up to up to speed on what's going on in Stardom. So I'll get back to those, and we'll hopefully get one up. Although shit, I think it's like two days before those shows start, but we'll get one up. I promise. Patreon.com. I promise. Shit. Nate, I'm doing everything wrong. <laughs> Patreon.com yeah, slash I mean, you, If you will be yourself, that's fine, because I'm not involved. Sure. You're going to make your, your own individual promises for your own your own output. Have at it, man. All right. Well, check us out. Patreon.com slash Everything Elite. Uh, last on the show, we're going to uh, do a little bit of a preview of next week's episode, Fight for the Fallen. I think we've already talked at length about the main event, the AW World Championship match. John Moxley defending against Brian Cage. Does anybody else have any more thoughts about that match? Um, no, I was is this the first time do, we should maybe just do uh the fight for the fallen preview on the retrospective episode like we did with Fighter Fest? Wow, see, but I've already I've promised the preview, Nate. Did you see that? No, at the beginning of the show, you said we're going to talk about dynamite and ratings. That's about it. I think I said fight for the fallen. He said fight for the fallen, well, <laughs> regardless. <laughs> regardless, who cares what we promised. Uh, well, let me ask you this. Well, that's that's a, a, a promise about the show that we're currently in is a fake promise. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like that's, there's no, there's no, uh, you know, there's no violating that. People can look at their phones and see how much was left in the episode. But. That's true. That's true. Also, it's a free show. So, you know, what we talk about is what we talk we about. We need, uh, we need ideas for a, uh, a bonus segment to do about Fight for the Fallen. Though. Of course, for Double or Nothing, we did... You know, made bets on previews for the year in AEW for Fighter Fest. We did cosplay ideas, or I did cosplay ideas. <laughs> I did cosplay <laughs> ideas too. Fight for the Fallen. I don't think we have an appropriate, um, you know, bonus segment there to address. So I was ideas that'd be well, appropriate. This is problem. I think this is going to be a problematic uh, because I I want it to be a f- funny and not like serious. You can only do it serious. But I was going to think of like. What would be funny charities that you could associate with each of the <laughs> each of the people? Sure, but I'm not sure yeah. if that would if that would go well. The I'm list of sure. funny charities is tough. <laughs> well, we have to yeah, make, we have to make some up. I guess. We, <laughs> n- make up and charity. file some 501c3s for these wrestlers <laughs> in the meantime. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, somebody cope with something else. Anyway, <laughs> have John Moxley and Brian Cage ever wrestled each other before? Does anybody know? I can't imagine, no. Oh, wait. Well, they might have been at the same time in FCW. Yeah, FCW would make sense because uh, Brian Cage as Chris Logan was there at the same time that John Moxley was there as Dean Ambrose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of his two stints. I think both stints he was Chris Logan, but that would be the only... What did you say? 
I'm just googling it. That's what I was trying. To, that's what I was talking so that we could fill time. And it didn't sound like that we were doing this research right now. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I actually searched for John Moxley matches, also involving John Moxley. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that's. I don't see any any matches with Moxley and Cage. First time matchup. They haven't been selling that though. I mean, they didn't ask us to go look on Cage match in the middle of our show. Here's I a match. Hmm? This is a random match. I searched Logan. The Messiahs of a New Age, Dustin Rays, John Moxley, and Vincent Nothing defeat The Clash, Brian Bender, Ernie Balls, and The Madness. <laughs> Ernie Balls? <laughs> Ernie Balls this... Z. B-A-L-L-Z. <laughs> was this in Heartland? Was this in Heartland? No, this was uh, at A-L-X-C uh, at the Logan County Fairgrounds in Bellefontaine, Ohio. Oh, that's a previous Sammy Callahan promotion. America and Lucha Corps. American Luchacore? Yeah, yeah, look oh it up. It's God. called a... I, This is what I'm here for. I, I don't need Cage Mash. I could tell you about dumb shit that people have been involved in. I have to learn more about American Luchacore. On that show, the Lucha Cup title match was Billy Rock defeating Carlton Kaz. Billy Rock, the king of Indianapolis. Oh, we got Shima Zion on this show. Yeah. Uh, Lewis Linden. This, that all computes. Sammy Callahan defeating Michael Elgin on that show. Right, yeah. Got to dig in on uh, on American Luchador. <laughs> Robbie Starr defeating Johnny Gargano. Uh, when was this match? Like 2010? Where's the show? 2010? Uh, 2008. Okay, wow. So that's super young Gargano. That's before anything. Yeah, that, was, like uh, that. that was opening match, so there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was when Johnny Gargano had a denim vest and long hair. I'm trying. I'm I'm now on Ernie Balls cage match. <laughs> Do you think Ernie Balls ever tweeted Ernie Balls? Oh shit! This is so good. Okay, they Ryan- only did five shows. So sorry. Uh, after your Smoky Mountain Wrestling retrospective, we might have to do the five American Lucha Corps shows. Okay, I'm into that. Um, Panic at the High Point. That's a show name. <laughs> uh, Ernie Balls and Brian Bender defeated Brutus Beefcake and Greg Valentine in 2009. They beat Brody. How did they beat Brody in 2009? Ernie, Ernie Balls defeats Nate Matson. All right, yeah. Uh, there's Ernie Balls did not get a lot of big time matchups. Well, man, he <laughs> I gotta face, say, he got to face Brutus the Barber Beefcake and Nate Maxson. Yeah, he's got a little bit of those. You know, I, there's some. Um, who did I see up here? Somebody similar to those people. Oh, Jim Neidhart with an N8 Matson. That's right. Yeah. I think at one time they were also called Lil Nate, but that might be a different uh, Nate in wrestling. Yeah, Ernie Balls, I'm afraid, had a had a pretty underwhelming wrestling career. When is Ernie Balls' last wrestling match? 2015. I mean, yeah. Oh. Uh, where did where was this at? Who was, was it against? That was part of the Brangerous Alliance against Team Darkstar. <laughs> That's right. At uh. DBI four at River Tree Christian Church. Ohio Indies, guys. Indie wrestling is a beautiful thing. It is, it is. I mean, he he wrestled for a long time. His first match on Cage Matches from 2003. So, you know, 12 a tw- years. 12 year career. I'm not sure he made one dollar wrestling. <laughs> I mean, but I you should watch your mouth. Everyone knows that American Luchacore 
definitely took care of the workers. <laughs> he wrestled <laughs> at a place called POG. POG. Power of Glory? I don't know, but they... Re- Price of Glory. They wrestled Price at of glory. the Pog Sportatorium. Do you, do you think they had pogs at POG? And very, by that, uh, I mean very, very of your uh, of your age pogs reference there. Yeah. <laughs> also, a very there's, there's a more current pogs or a pog reference you could make, but yeah, I was gonna say also very on on brand for Nate to know that I was making a pogs joke and not a pog joke. Yes. <laughs> All right. That's enough Ernie Balls, I guess. I can't find any evidence that John Moxley and Brian Cage have ever had a match. Fine. Here are the other matches, and we'll preview them in depth. How about that? We'll, we'll compromise here. Yeah, that's what I assumed. Yeah, that's what I meant. I didn't say you okay. couldn't risk the matches. Well, I, I don't know. Mr. Mr. Nady Lee? I don't know. I can't really pull oh this together. God, Jesus. <laughs> Yikes. I, I would like to apologize for all three of us for this episode that y'all have listened to. I will, as I said in the Discord, I frankly will not apologize anymore. I've apologized enough on this show. Uh, <laughs> Cody, open challenge, sunny kiss. The Lucha Bros are going to take on FTR. And the Elite is back in full six-man tag form to take on Jurassic Express. That's going to be Fight for the Fallen next week. Should be, a fun, should be a fun show. I hope that they get the Fair Brothers back out there. We'll come up with something better than funny charities, I guess, as our as our bit. Let's remember some Ohio indie guys. <laughs> I mean, I'm okay with just doing an hour of talking about it, random indie guys. I mean, I can do that off. I, I mean, I knew exactly what promotion Nate was talking about to yeah, start no from doubt. this because I'm a very sick individual. Thank, thank so, God it wasn't Hematoma Pro Wrestling. Am I right? I'm. <laughs> Could they? No, they're not fake. I know people who I know that people have died from hematomas before. I'm not going to say that hematomas are fake. <laughs> well, that's good. I stop. I stopped myself there. But uh, good, good catch, Mike. I actually <laughs> have it. It was really I, good. Actually, we're almost I canceled. A, yeah, yeah. I, I I turned away at the last second to that car crash. Uh, I have an idea for the fight for the fallen. Now, Mike, I have some game. bad news, but people have died in car crash crashes before. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I prevented myself from being in one. <laughs> yeah, but you just you just made light of them by by saying car crash. I, I have been in a car crash before, like a serious car crash before. Uh, did did you die? I I was very close to dying, actually. <laughs> nice work, no. Aaron. I yeah. put my car once at seventy miles per hour and was fine. I was uh it, coming back from Scion <laughs> Rock Festival two thousand nine, where Macedon gave Sapolsky's favorite band Neurosis and Boris were there <laughs> along with High on Fire. Uh, we got pulled underneath the undertow of an eighteen wheeler. And Ooh, we shit. luckily didn't. We luckily didn't like pivot in, inwards. Like it's usually like with how physics worked, which is like the one <laughs> science I actually understand. Like, hold on, hold should... on. Mike's gonna explain <laughs> physics to us. No, no, not only is he gonna explain, um, he's gonna explain how physics usually work, and then how <laughs> physics decided to work in this instance, which was different. Right. Yeah. So, so, so this is how it was. So. Uh, this would work a lot better as a video drawing so, so that our listeners could see this. But basically, the undertow usually would have, because how we were pulled in, there was a swerve into it. It would have gone under normally. But luckily, we did not have the spin spin inwards. We just went and clipped and spun out the other direction. Because if it spun inwards, yeah, that we were in a Zuzu Trooper with an 18-wheeler. Y'all know who wins that. See, physics worked out for me that time. I just explained physics. 
Yeah, I'm not lying. Mama Spears didn't raise a liar. <laughs> no one was accusing you of lying. <laughs> I mean, you can accuse me of being wrong and dumb, but not a liar. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I really showed my ass today. I apologize. <laughs> never apologize, Mike. That's what I say. We Never, we never made, apologize, never surrender. We made reasonably good content on this day, and that's <laughs> that's all we're required to do. I said I was in a mood. <laughs> but it turned out that it was more me just like not understanding things today. Welcome to our post show, uh, talking everything elite. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. Well, um, I don't know. Follow us on Twitter. It's good. At everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, yeah. Subscribe, rate and review. Patreon.com slash everything elite. Uh, that's it. Uh, we'll, we'll, Oh, yeah. For Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next time.